God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this second Sunday of Advent. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. If you were an ice cream, what flavor would you be? Hmm, okay. If you were a car, what make and model would you be? Ford. Ford. <laughs> a Ford, okay. Hopefully not an Edsel, right? If you were an app on a smartphone, what kind of app would you be? Yeah, none of the above, right? Uh, you've, heard these, you've heard these kinds of questions before, right? Uh, you know, you've seen them in games and uh, funny emails that people share and on, on Facebook posts. The, the purpose of these questions is to find an answer that sums you up, you know? Salted caramel praline or a Cadillac might summarize your character or, you know, your theme in life. For myself, I can say if I were an ice cream, even though my favorite is Rocky Road, I wouldn't be that because my life's been pretty even. I mean, there have been some bumps in the road, but not any more than most people, I guess. No, I think I'd be coconut flavored because it seems all my life people either like me or they can't stand me. A car, well, I think I'd be a 1971 Pantera, because I like to keep a low profile. You know, it's an Italian sports car, low pro, uh, for, forget it, forget it. You know, you can have this kind of fun with the Bible. If you were a book in the Bible, which one would you be? You can even let the scriptures summarize itself in different ways. For example, which book of the Bible, or even which verse, sums up the theme of Advent. Sounds like a question only a scholar could come up with or an answer, right? But haven't you ever read the Bible and come across chapters or verses and you think, man, this little bit that I just read, that's what Easter is all about or baptism or Jesus' mission on earth. This happened to me this week while preparing for today. And I asked myself, if Advent were a scripture verse, which one would it be? Isaiah 41 through 11. And when I began to dig into this and see if I was right, those who have commented on Isaiah through the years, people much smarter than me, verified this for me. They said this text summarizes the message this entire season of the church year. And others even went, went, on to, went even further and said that this remarkable passage is so complete that it sums up the entire message of the scriptures and the Christian church. Wow. So, that being said, I want to share with you how and why this is so and why these verses are so loved and well-known, especially for the time leading up to Christmas. So you can turn to your Isaiah reading on page 6. I mean, for one thing, you have God saying here at the beginning, the very start, Comfort, words of comfort for his people. Comfort, comfort ye my people, right? Very famous words from the prophet. And we have hymns with these words in them. Then you have a voice crying in the desert. This is well known too. Why me, Lord? The prophet cries, and what do you want me to say? Sounds kind of like Moses, doesn't it? And we've heard this kind of thing in other parts of the scriptures, other parts of the 
narrative of God's saving act in history. But looking at the wider picture here, we see, we see Isaiah as God's messenger called and commissioned by God. And this prophet knows the people he's speaking to. He's not an outsider of Israel coming in to say these things to strangers. He's one of them. These people are now long gone, right? But those who trusted in the Lord and the promised Messiah are in heaven now. And we too, like them in their time, are sinful human beings living in a sinful world. Sin still infects everything and everyone. All flesh is grass, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. See, this is that Hebrew picture language that's meant to cause you to see yourself illustrated in these objects. In this case, plant life that withers and dies. Isaiah knows who God is. He's a God of power and might who is offended by sin. Behold, which means look, your God Look, the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Look, His reward is with Him and His recompense, which is His compensation awarded for loss. That's before Him. This is the God of law who expects perfect obedience from us but also knows our condition as fallen human beings. And Isaiah also knows that this God, the creator of the ends of the earth and the heavens and all that's in it, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs in his arms and carry them up close to his chest like a father or mother does with their children. This God, our God, forgives sin and builds people up. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isn't isn't this why the baby in Bethlehem came? Isn't this what he came to do for us? Bring us comfort? Comfort in the midst of our sinful, afflicted lives and give us hope for forgiveness and and salvation? You bet it is. I mean, we don't have children for the purpose of them providing comfort for us. A baby raises your anxiety level because because of the amount of need and care that, you know, that they require. They may be soothing when they're in a good mood, but for the most part, we provide the soothing and the comfort for them. The infant Jesus is radically different. We don't tend to him. His mother did that for a short time. He doesn't require anything from us. He's all here for us to give us comfort with his sinless perfectness on our behalf because we could not be perfect and sinless. We cannot be sinless and perfect without his atoning sacrifice later on in his life. And now this God, our God, the one who comes to earth from heaven above, puts his church, his people, that's you and me and all our brothers and sisters in Christ, into action. In the desert of this world of sin, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a highway for our God. I love that passage because, well, you know, I like the desert. You may not like it, but you're familiar with it even if you've never been to a desert. You know the mountains and hills are not like the smooth rolling coast range out here. You know, they're, they're jagged 
with huge rocks sticking out. Everywhere impassable, unclimbable. You get the picture from Isaiah that God levels these mountains and hills and fills in the valleys. He makes everything even and smooth. He even straightens out the roads. In other words, His Word will pass through the land without obstruction. It'll just flow over evenly over all the land. If this passage, this promise, were an ice cream, it would not be Rocky Road. It would be French vanilla. Yeah, smooth and silky. (laughs) And we respond to God's preparing the way in the wilderness. We wait in eager anticipation for the day when Jesus returns again. Not as a baby this second time, but as he left it when he said goodbye to his friends and told them to be diligent and at peace with each other, to love one another. We respond to that challenge because the Christ, whom John the Baptist proclaims in Mark, has baptized us with the Holy Spirit, and he puts us into action. This is why I'm saying this reading today sums up Advent, comfort, Comfort announces the whole theme of it. I know this time of year can sometimes be the hardest or the worst time in in your lives and not because of superficial things like fighting traffic to shop for gifts or dealing with company, but deeper things like painful memories associated with trauma or loss. God has brought His Son for you to take your pain and your burdens. He took all of that to the cross for you. With his birth at Bethlehem, God prepared the way. He made straight in the wilderness of of this sinful world a highway for his word to make it unobstructed to your ears and my ears and everyone's. His word is still going on out there to those whose ears haven't received it yet. That's also how the church responds and acts. We've been given that assignment by our Lord Jesus Christ. Go proclaim who I am and baptize. This is what we do at Christmas. We tell the account of Jesus and his birth in Bethlehem. Nativity scenes all over are a snapshot of this, a witness to the story. The glory of the Lord was revealed in the army of singing angels The star, the stable, Mary's pregnancy, the birth, all of that. Notice the Christmas narrative has stood under assault through all ages and cultures, not just postmodern America. It has stood throughout time while people around it come and go like fading flowers and withering grass. We are that grass and that fading flower, but because of the good news at Christmas, We, the church, can go tell it on the mountain, as Isaiah says at the end of this text, because we are forgiven and restored. The Christian church fulfills the role of Zion and the church in Jerusalem, or the church is Jerusalem, not in the sense of the capital city of Israel, but a spiritual capital, a light on the hill, a light to the world. The people who have this good news to share with everyone. That's who we are. He tends us like a shepherd to his flock and we need no further explanation of that. That's all over the scriptures. 
Christmas Day is coming. Our preparations won't make it come any sooner or later. As I said last week, we may not be prepared externally for it. I mean, even in the church, we have a lot to do to get ready. We've got to decorate stuff, and, and uh, we've got more midweek programs and whatnot. But our hearts and minds are prepared because of the word we have received. Isaiah tells us what kind of king we're prepared and waiting for. He's a king like no other. A shepherd who keeps his flock. He gathers in his arms, carries us through this life and this world close to himself, and gently leads us that are with young, which speaks to our helplessness and vulnerability and our dependence on him for our very lives. So my friends, I offer you the season of Advent wrapped up in these 11 verses of the prophet. Look, your God, your King, your Good Shepherd and His tender words to you, this and every Advent are, take comfort. Take comfort. Amen. May the peace of Christ which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in His fold. Amen.